beat it to death, but if you'd have been here Friday night, you'd have heard them play then, too. Oh, wait, you get to hear them again? <laughs> yeah. Boy, they never yell encore after my message. Hey, Warren, they never yell encore after my message, so I'm, I'm proud of you guys. <laughs> Speaking of message, the title to this morning's message is True Healing. True Healing. Now, we've spent... Quite a bit of time discussing Simon Peter this week, last week, the week before, and for good reason. I think most of us men especially can, can relate to Peter's struggles, the things that he went through, the struggles with his faith. At least I know that I can. We look at Peter and we know that Peter was good at what he did in the world. He was a good fisherman. He was considered to be successful by the world standards. He was very comfortable. But see, we get comfortable and then Jesus comes into our life. So Peter was comfortable and Jesus entered his life and then Peter knew, he realized that he needed more than what the world had to offer. He was bold. He was aggressive in his faith. We know that he sometimes stepped on his tongue and he got rebuked by Jesus, but he never quit. He was always bold. He tried to be 
tried so hard to be true to this new calling and following Christ. But at one point, a low point, we talked about him denying Jesus Christ three times. And then we talked about his, his guilt and his shame after that happened. But then, of course, we saw him return to his old ways. He went back on that boat, back to what he knew, and that night was a complete failure. Well, not the whole night, because when they looked out to the shore, who did they see? Might have been a failure in the world's stance, in the world's eyes, because they didn't catch those fish. But when they looked out and saw Jesus standing on that shore, it changed. Jesus told them to come back to him, and come back he did. We read that Peter jumped out of the boat and he rushed back to Jesus. Grace appeared right when Peter needed it the most. And I dare say, if we're looking for it, brothers and sisters, grace will appear when we need it the most. After they broke bread together, we, we heard Christ's first question to Peter. It was in John 21, 15, when he'd finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? more than these. Now, this can be interpreted several ways. He could have been asking Peter if, if, if he loved him more than he loved the disciples, his fellow apostles. We read that in Scripture this morning because he said, Matthew 10, 37 through 38, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not Worthy of me. Now, I want to get this straight. Jesus is not telling us to hate our family. Not even close. He's asking us to love him so much, so passionately, so completely, that any other relationship fades in comparison. By loving Jesus that deep, we actually learn how to love our family even better. So Jesus was giving Peter the chance to once again proclaim his love for him above his friends. But there's another side. Peter could have been asking him, if he, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than the world's possessions? Do you love me more than that boat? Do you love me more than that fishing tackle? Right? First question, do you love me more than your friends? Or it could have been, do you love me more than what you have? Are you willing to give everything up to truly follow me? Do you love me more than the world has to offer? Are you kingdom-focused, Peter, or are you world-focused? Peter's being reminded to keep the main thing the main thing. And what do we always say? The main thing is Jesus Christ. But either way, we know that these questions weren't only presented to Simon Peter. We're asked that same question today. What are our priorities in life? I had an instructor tell me one time that he could figure out my true priorities, no matter what I said, he could figure it out by simply looking in my checkbook and my calendar. My checkbook and my calendar, because he said, your checkbook tells you where you spend your money, and your calendar will tell you where you spend your time. I was quite surprised, and now I hide my checkbook from my wife. <laughs> but you should try, honestly, you should, you should try it sometime and just look through your checkbook and your calendar and see what you're prioritizing in life. You might be surprised. Matthew 6.33 tells us that we need to strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness. 
We're called to put God first in all that we do. Amen? So, at the end of that conversation between Jesus and Peter, Jesus urged Peter once again to follow him. He said, follow thou me. So we look at that and we start, well, wait a minute. He's been following Jesus for roughly three and a half years. Why is Jesus telling him to follow me? Wasn't he already following him? Right? We've read all the scripture. He's following Jesus. But see, the answer depends on which of the words we emphasize. Do we emphasize Jesus when he said follow, or do we emphasize the word me? And I'm going to show you the difference. We all follow something, right? We follow our family, we follow our friends, we follow the news, we follow sports. Sometimes we follow our own selfish desires, and sometimes we follow God. I looked up the definition of follow, and it means to strive after, to to aim at. So follow me, strive after me, aim at me is what Jesus is saying here. Matthew 6, 24 tells us we can only truly follow one thing at a time. No one can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. So I think the emphasis has to be placed on the word me. Follow thou me. Follow thou me. Follow me, Jesus said. Not your friends, not the world, not your family, not your own personal desires. You need to follow me. My teachings, everything that I've taught you, uh, everything that's going to be written eventually, you follow me. Jesus calls us to be like him. We can't be like him if we're not striving or aiming to be like him. We want to be Christ-like. But the problem here is we know that not everyone who quote-unquote follows Christ stays with Christ. We see many accounts of so-called followers leaving Jesus in the Bible and today. We read in John 6, Jesus was preaching to the crowd and his disciples. In verse 51, he told them, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. And then we see their reaction. Verse 60. Oh, we're going to hear his reaction. Beautiful. They're calling in now. What did they say? Here's what they said. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This teaching is difficult. Who can accept it? And then verse 66 says, Because of this, Many of his disciples turned back and no longer went about with him. They turned away from Christ. You see, they've been following him in a general direction. They were maybe following the crowd. They were following the excitement. Right? They were there for the miracles. They were, they were there for the wonders. But if they turned away from him, they certainly weren't following Jesus Christ. They weren't striving to be like him. They weren't striving. They were just getting away from the world. It was like a sideshow. You can't leave Christ once you've tasted him. Once I've tried it. Once Christ comes into your life, I don't care. You might walk away for a while, but the struggle will last until you come back into his arms. Your life will be a wreck. Trust me. Once you've tasted Jesus Christ, You will never want to be without him. So those people weren't striving or aiming to be like him. And I got to thinking, it's kind of like GPS when we're driving, right? 
<clears throat> we have a choice to either follow it in a general direction, like just kind of glance down, yeah, head north, whatever, or we follow its specific guidance. Well, I like to remind people that God has his own GPS system. It's called the God positioning system. And if we follow his GPS, we'll arrive at that destination. What, what destination do we want? We want to live with him for eternity. But like our car, sometimes we get sidetracked. Sometimes we end up off course. Sometimes we think we know better. I know every male driver has done it. I don't want to hear it. Ah, don't listen to that thing. I know how to get there quicker. Meet me. Two hours later. But we get sidetracked. We start listening to ourselves. and, And sometimes we get off course. But you know what? It's okay. Just like following GPS, all we have to do is refocus on the directions, refocus on the word of of God, refocus on Christ's word, follow those directions and get back on track. We're not putting a time out. We're not putting in a holding pattern. Christ is there standing at that shore welcoming us back. Welcome us, telling us, come back, get connected to the well. We remember, didn't the disciples go off course? They denied him. They they, uh, fleed. In the garden, they, were, they ran away like, well, anyway, they ran away. i got to be careful what I say. They abandoned Jesus Christ when he needed them the most. They had walked with him for three years, learned from him. They witnessed everything he did, and they even participated in the miracles. They did their own miracles with the power of the Holy Spirit. But even they couldn't be perfect in their walk. We're not called to be perfect. Yes, the Bible says be perfect. I did a whole series on that. But perfect doesn't mean error-free in this case. We're to strive for perfection. It's a walk. It's a journey to the end. Amen? Amen. We can't beat ourselves up when we make mistakes. The Bible's full of them. We could go from beginning to end. I forget who I was talking to the other day, but... You know, we, we talked about Moses murdering somebody. Was it you? We were talking about, you know, Moses looked around, he saw the Egyptian beating the Jew, and he looked around and went, uh-uh, I ain't taking it. And, and he killed somebody. I would say he had a pretty successful career with God after that, amen? We can't beat ourselves up if the disciples and the people in the Bible couldn't do it perfectly. We need to take a deep breath. So they weren't perfect, but they all came back to him, minus Judas, of course, right? They all came back into the loving arms of Christ, back to following him, striving to be like him. And I think that's what Jesus was offering Peter after he went fishing. He was urging him, just reminding him, who's your priority? And he said, you, you know that I love you. And of course, Christ told him to feed his sheep. Jesus wants us to love him exclusively, not the world. We don't want to be a, we can't be a halfway disciple, right? You have to be either in or out because otherwise we hear from Jesus in Revelation 3.16. Because you are lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. We're called to make Jesus Lord of our lives and bring glory to God in all that we do. 1 Corinthians 10.31, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. Those of you, those of you who've spent time with me know that I too fall short of that. We're human. But guess what? After I, after I fail to give him glory or uh, I wander off a little bit, I go right back to praying. I go right back to asking for forgiveness. 
And then I try to be stronger the next time. To follow Christ means we apply the truths we learn from his word. We need to try to live just like Jesus is walking right beside us. That would really clear up my language if that were to happen, amen? (laughs) Andy Stanley said that, I love this, Jesus called sinners and unbelievers to follow him. He called sinners and unbelievers to follow him. He didn't demand that they change first. He didn't even demand that they believe that he was the son of God. He knew that if they just followed, if they, if they just took a step in his direction, it would change them. Amen? We need to use that as our example. We've taught almost every week. We don't judge. We don't condemn. I had an argument the other day, the, the same old argument talking about gays, and all of a sudden somebody said, well, I want to keep them from going to hell. And I went, oh, wait, we're having a conversation that gays automatically go to hell? That's not the truth. That's not just because you're, I don't want to say just because. If you're gay, it does not mean you're going to hell. Because, I told those people, our whole church would end up going with a gay person. I know this is controversial. I don't care. Right? So, all right, if you're gay, you're going to hell. All right, well, if you gossip, you're going to hell. Okay, well, if you lie, you're going to hell. If you steal, you're going to hell. If, you, if you're uh, anything else in the Bible... That means you're automatically going? I don't think so. When we do that, we take out love and grace. We take out the sacrifice on the cross. Nobody is just predestined to go to hell. Everybody has a chance to ask for forgiveness, to repent, and ask Christ into their heart. Sorry. It's a tough conversation, and I'm tired of hearing it. I'm tired of the finger pointing to one demographic and saying, I just want to turn them so they go to heaven. Well, let's work on you. We just got off the phone and you gossiped about every neighbor on your street. <laughs> but that's what we do, especially country folk. Right? We, we, we overlook what we're doing just to point out what somebody else is doing. And the Bible says what? Remove the log from your eye before you worry about the speck in your brother's eye. We need to stop those conversations and use love and grace in everything that we do. We lead with love and grace. Not our, it's not our job to judge. We don't judge hearts. We leave that up to the Holy Spirit. All right, where was I? Whoo, I'm telling you, I told you, you're going to hear about love today. Hmm. Following Jesus meant that those disciples had to make a radical decision. They had to make a literally 180-degree turn from society, right? They had to go against what the Jews at the time, the religious leaders, were teaching. So they had to be radical. And I read that his uh, disciples were so loyal and so distinct from society that the people in the community actually took notice. They probably said things like, oh, those people over there, that, that group... They talk like that Jesus guy. They even act they even act like that Jesus guy. They must be followers of Christ. Well, brothers and sisters, I'm very proud to say that the same thing has been said about our church right here in our own community. When Kathy presented that check from the ladies' auxiliary, she recounted many instances where this church stepped up and helped community members. Now, she didn't hear that from me. 
She didn't hear that from me. She didn't hear that from people in his church. No, she heard it from people in the community, just like maybe what the disciples heard, those people over there, those people in that church. They're giving money to the community. They're helping people. They must be followers of Jesus. Well done, good and faithful servants. Now, as Christians, our greatest desire should be to grow and be more like Christ. But it can't be in a general direction. It can't be, I'll hit church every other Sunday. I'll hit church when it's convenient. I'll read the Bible when there's, if I have to read on Sunday, I'll read the Bible. You know, we need to follow him every day. Follow him, not the world. We need to strive or aim to be like him. In Matthew 7, 22, 2, Jesus gave a stern warning to those that followed him in a general direction, those that just kind of hung out. He said, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many deeds of power in your name? Jesus said, then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Go away from me. That should scare the Hades out of you. So many will come thinking that they're saved, but they love their lives more than they love Jesus. They followed their own desires. They followed the world's GPS instead of God's GPS. We know that no person's ever lived a perfect life, but Christ, we're flesh. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to sin. We're going to fall short. But we have a Savior Those of us who deeply desire a Christ-centered life, well, we're still going to stumble, fall, and sin, and we're going to make fleshly decisions in moments of weakness, trust me. But see, those those of us who are really following Christ recognize it. We recognize it quicker, amen? We don't keep doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it. We recognize it and we pray for strength not to do it again. Maybe sometimes, ten times a day, the same prayer. Forgive me for using the F word. Oh, I did it again. Forgive me for using the F word. We don't quit, whatever that sin may be. With the help of the Holy Spirit, we can become more and more Christ-like every day. We call it sanctification. It's a, it's a process. It's not a snap of the finger, a hit with a wand, and you're done. It's a lifelong process. From the minute that we say, I accept Christ, to the minute we're welcomed in heaven. It's a process. I think Peter realized this after that night of fishing. See, Peter knew that uh, Jesus' time on earth was short. Jesus had told him. He knew that Jesus was going to soon leave them and ascend to the Father. He knew time was running out for him, for Peter to make amends with Christ. To make amends with the one man that he loved so much, but turned his back on. The one man he never wanted to let down, and he let him down. So he knew his time was short to make an amend, to make amends. Maybe he knew guilt and shame would haunt him until he got back in the right relationship with that man he loved. Maybe he finally realized that the confrontation and the conver- uh, conversation he dreaded was actually the very thing he needed so that healing could begin. Right? Healing couldn't begin until he told Jesus he loved him. Healing couldn't begin when he's still filled with guilt and shame. The conversation had to happen because that's where the healing comes in. I'll be honest, their encounter made me look at some of my relationships. 
It's encouraged me to make sure differences are settled, and it's helped me settle arguments lovingly and peacefully. Instead of the old way, he who shouts loudest wins. That's not how it's played when you're following Christ. But Peter had the luxury of knowing when Jesus would leave earth. We don't have that same luxury of knowing how much longer we're going to be here. Tomorrow is never promised. So with that in mind, you would think that it would make it easier to say I'm sorry to those who need to hear it from us. You would think that it would make it easier to say I forgive you to those that have hurt us. And it should make it easier to ask to be forgiven. I'm wondering if any of you this morning might have someone in your life today that needs forgiving. Too, there's too much hate. There's too much anguish in this world. The extra weight of carrying unforgiveness isn't worth the trip. That we need to free ourselves, and we can't be free until we forgive those who have hurt us. Now, Advent Council has heard me uh, forgive certain members of this community a hundred times. Because it's not always forgive them and, and you're done, right? The enemy's going to keep throwing that in. Today you may forgive somebody that you've been needing to forgive, and then by tonight... All those nasty thoughts come back about, look what they did to you, look what they said about you, or your family, or whatever. But, brothers and sisters, you just got to dig in and say, all right, Lord, I need help. Can't do it in the flesh, but the Holy Spirit will help you forgive them again. Maybe there's nobody you need to forgive this morning, but maybe you're the one that needs to be forgiven. I would ask you to search your heart this morning. Tomorrow is not promised to any of us. But true healing only starts when forgiveness is offered. Even to those who, there's people that don't, don't deserve our forgiveness, right? But then we have to remember that Jesus Christ forgave us when we didn't. And he continues to forgive us, even though we don't deserve it. So we might have had things said or done to us and we feel they don't deserve forgiveness. We need to forgive them anyway. Doesn't say we have to love them and hang out with them and go, go fishing with them, boo-boo. But we're to forgive them, to free that from our heart because the enemy takes any weakness that we have and exploits it, does he not? And not forgiving people is a weakness. That's not a strength to seeing how long you can stay mad at somebody how long you can talk bad about somebody. It's a weakness. And the enemy will, all those thoughts will keep coming in. So I would ask everyone here today to extend that same grace that Jesus offered on the shore. The Bible says we will be forgiven in the same manner that we forgive. We will be forgiven in the same manner that we forgive. Lead with that. Think that through today. And I promise you it will compel you. If you want to be forgiven for the things that you do, you have to remember we will be forgiving, forgiven in the same manner that we forgive others. And I promise you this. I promise you, you have my word as your friend and as your pastor. Your heart will be much lighter once you forgive somebody, especially if it's been 
We know people feuding 20, 30 years. Country folk do it the best. You know, I always talk about Mr. H. There's a couple people, he said, I don't remember what happened, but I know I'm mad at him. 30 years ago, we're stubborn, though. Right? And I always try to sweet talk him. And Your hearts and your minds will be much lighter without that weight of unforgiveness. See, because then when we free our mind, we can start really concentrating on and answer that call that Jesus has, the call that he made to Peter, to each one of us today that says, follow me. Follow me. Be like me. We can't follow him completely if we have unforgiveness in our hearts. It's a wall. It's a stumbling block. The Bible doesn't say any of this is easy. You've never heard me say it's easy. But here's what it does promise. It promises rewards. And and the reward I'm looking for is an eternity with Jesus Christ and my family who has believed in him and has gone before me. We're called to faithfully follow Christ in grace so we can follow him to glory when we're called home. My prayer this morning is that we all offer forgiveness to those that have hurt us and to ask for the same in return. I'm thinking communion today would be a perfect time and a perfect place to ask for forgiveness or offer forgiveness. If we're going to truly follow Jesus, let's start there. Forgiving others as we are forgiven. Let's release those burdens of hate. Let's release those burdens of anger, jealousy, rage, stubbornness. Whatever we're carrying around this morning, today we give it up. Today we give it up. Today we put it at the foot of the cross. And when we leave here today, we leave it at the foot of the cross. And if the enemy brings it back up tonight, you're going to leave it at the foot of the cross again. You're going to pray for the Holy Spirit to help you. Whatever poison we came in with today, Christ gives us an opportunity to leave it here. So as we come up this morning and partake of the uh, body and blood of Christ, I would just ask you to be in prayer. Come pray at the altar, pray in your, in your pews, but search your heart. I promise you, if you ask the Holy Spirit, show me who needs to be forgiven, you'll get an answer. may not be immediately, but if you're sincere, he'll go through a list of names. Mine was a whole book. That, uh, but he'll, he'll go through and he'll, he'll put the names on there and then, and then you have to get to work. Amen? Amen. Amen. So what we're going to do this morning, uh, as, we're do, as we do communion, I'm going to play a special uh, song. And you're welcome to stand up and sing. You're welcome to sit and sing. Uh, you're welcome to pray. You're welcome to come to the altar. But please focus on love and forgiveness on this communion Sunday. If you would please turn to page 15. And just, just a reminder, my book is different than your book. As you're following along and, and we're in unison and all of a sudden it looks like I went off the deep end. Don't panic. I've been in the deep end before. I'll come back. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you. Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, you formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, 
made covenant to be our sovereign God, brought us to a land flowing with milk and honey, and set before us the way of life. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy are you and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. By your great mercy, we have been born anew to a living hope through the resurrection of your Son from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Once we were no people, but now we are your people, declaring your wonderful deeds in Christ, who called us out of darkness into, this mar into his marvelous light. When the Lord Jesus ascended, he promised to be with us always in the power of your word in Holy Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave us to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. On the day you were raised from the dead, he was recognized by his disciples in the breaking of the bread. And in the power of your Holy Spirit, your church has continued in the breaking of the bread and the sharing of the cup. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ is Christ is Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your Holy Church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. 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 The table is set. All, all are welcome to come to the table. Doesn't matter if you've been baptized, doesn't matter if you've accepted Christ, doesn't matter if you sin on the way in or you sin on the way out. Okay? This is the body and blood of Christ. Come partake, come to the altar, pray, whatever. Just Feel that freedom in Christ this morning, brothers and sisters. Alright, come come to the altar.
Oh, three by five cards. All right, we're missing a whole bunch of cards here. Who's got them? There you go. And those of you who still might have them at home because you just can't get enough reading them. Thank you, sweetie. Because you just can't get enough reading those cards, I would ask you to please remember to bring them up. All right, well, here we go. Y'all need to make new cards up for next week. I'm done asking to bring them back. All right, so everybody has homework, even teachers. <laughs> now you like it. <laughs> I don't get homework. So the, this, this, week is this week, write down a couple of three by five cards. Get the scripture, pray first that the Holy Spirit would lead you to the scripture. There are people in this church right here today, one of them looking right at you, that needs prayer. Right? You're not going to know what it is, but Christ knows what it is. Holy Spirit knows what it is. So it's not just me, there's got to be other people as well. So pray for it, find a scripture, put it on the card. In the meantime, my Vanna Jr. is going to raise us up in the air. I'm going to ask you guys just to raise your hands while we ask the Lord to anoint these together. Father God, we love you. We praise you, Lord. We, we love your word, Lord, and we're trying to get more and more into it. So, Father, we would just ask you to take these cards that have your scripture on it, your word. God breathe. God, these are your words. <laughs> we just ask you to anoint them again, put them into the hands of the people that need them, Lord. And just help us to be better Christians. In Jesus' name, Jesus amen. Name. Amen. All right. Go now and bear fruit for God that will last. As Christ has loved you, so love one another. And abide always in God with love so that your joy may be complete. And now may God give you all you ask for in Christ's name. May Christ reveal to you God's ways and call you his friends. And may the Holy Spirit confirm the truth within you and make your joy complete. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. In the name of Christ, amen. Until we meet again, brothers and sisters, may God bless and keep each and every one of you. Please stay safe, stay in his word, and stay connected to the wild. God bless you all. We're going to end um, today with my hope is built, number 368. We're going to do the first two verses. Christ is the solid rock that we stand on. All other things, no matter what it is in this world, is sinking sand. Hear it. Amen. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs>